Howdy friends, I am Molly, your host today, and I want to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. So it's super fun because we do this uh, by using a combination of exploring biblical principles while also taking a closer look at concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course and then also having tons and tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these areas. So I'm very excited because in today's episode, we're going to be sitting down with our co-founder, vice president, and very own Bible geek, Sandy Orchard. Hello. And we're going to talk about the supernatural events surrounding the crucifixion of Jesus. And a lot of us have known the story or we've heard the story about the crucifixion, but today we're going to ask the listeners to go just a little bit deeper. So what we really want to do is just kind of take a step back and take a pause and then really look at what the Bible says happened. So our hope today is that this will cause all of us to stand in awe of Jesus, that we would really start to think about, you know, just think bigger about who he is and who Father God is and how powerful they really truly are. So Sandy, with that, take it away. Well, thanks, Molly. Yeah, um, so, you know, sometimes when you've um, been reading the Bible for a while, or even maybe if you're just starting to read the Bible, it's sometimes you can kind of get into that uh, rote um, way of doing it where you're just kind of reading it and you're really not reading it, like yeah. really trying to understand it. Or even like like sometimes in the, uh, you know, No Boundaries has our journey of restorations thing and we talk a lot about the brain and we try to, and one thing to help us with a, uh, engaging our brain is to use our imagination. And so a lot of times mm. we really encourage people to use your imagination as you read the Bible. But, you know, in doing that, you really have to slow down and instead of just blazing through the story um, to really slow down and maybe close your eyes um, and envision what that might look like. But also ask for the, the help of the Holy Spirit because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit is, as even says in the Word that He's our helper. And so um, in doing that, you know, uh, not too long ago, I like I was reading, um, getting kind of getting ready for Easter and stuff, and and reading the whole events of the cross, and I realized, man, I just kind of blaze through this thing a lot of times, and and not to say like all that to say, there's a million things going on, like spiritually speaking, at the cross, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things going on, and sometimes we. I mean, I know, and I'm sure you do too, Molly, that like we probably barely understand the spiritual implications of the f- everything that was going on at the cross and the yeah. resurrection. But there's some other things on you know, in the story of the of the cross um, that happened that involved nature, it involved uh, other people. So there's some other things that I think sometimes we miss. And so all that to say, um, as you read that, sometimes it, it really. Um, it's beneficial to ask yourself the question, what if this is real? Yeah. Like even just in maybe the one story you read, and what if this is like really true? And do I, do I really believe that? And kind of do a heart check on yourself. And so what if, if Jesus actually did die on the cross and actually did rise again? And so there's a lot to that question. But, you know, all, a lot of it revolves around the, the fact, does Jesus really have all that power and authority to make all these things that happened at the cross, you yeah. know, those things happen? And so what if it's true? And so that's, 
a lot of times in my, as I'm reading the Bible and I like to encourage other people to do, it's like, ask yourself, like, as you're reading, you know, maybe the story of how Jesus went around in Israel healing people and bringing uh, deliverance to them and salvation. What if that's true? What if mm-hmm. like how he encountered that person was really true? And so if you really start thinking about it, it, it put God, it puts God in a whole different level and it really causes your heart to want to slow down and really look at your relationship with Christ and, um, and look at him in a, in a kind of a different light that you, yeah. you have a lot more awe and wonder um, about Jesus. Who is this person and what kind of power and authority, like who has that kind of power and authority? Yeah, and, and a I, lot of times we just don't see that here on earth, you know? And that's what, like, I think sometimes we get so, like we'll read our Bibles and we'll just so gloss over it, almost like we're just adding it like another story or adding it like another book. Or I don't know if anyone watches movies, but if I watch like, the superhero movies, you know, and I see all the things that they're doing, they're flying and they're doing all kinds of crazy things. But if I just lump scripture into something like that, like, oh, this is just like an action story. If I'm not careful to slow down and think, no, this is, this is real. This is real. And when it's real, then it does something inside of you. And then the other part of that is it's, yes, it's real. And we have to come to terms like, what's our heart say about that? Do we really believe it or not? But really, the thing, whether we believe it or not, this, like, what happened at the cross and the resurrection changed everything. Mm-hmm. And it has huge impacts, huge impact on us as, as just humans. And it had a huge impact on the world. I mean, they even changed the, the dating system and the calendar right. because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so um, it just has these massive implications for us as people. And so that's kind of like, we kind of want to go into this story and kind of with that, you know, thought in our heart and in our mind, like maybe there's a whole lot more going on on this than we're there, than we're reading, you know? Yeah. And so I just kind of wanted us to take a little bit closer look at the cross and the resurrection and, and with that. Yeah. And I think before we can even get too far into the cross and the resurrection, can we just take a step back and talk a little bit about why we even need the cross in the first place. I think that'd be a really good idea. So I'm just going to do very brief, brief (laughs) summary. And so basically what happened was God created everything. It was God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit together, right? Right. And then they create everything. So we have the Genesis story. So you have the Genesis story, your favorite Favorite story. Yep, yep. (laughs) Everything goes back to Genesis. Yes. And so we have this beautiful creation story of a father in heaven, of creator God, who's making the creatures in the water and the creatures of the land and the land itself and the land to divide the waters. And, and you have this creation and then you have God who makes mankind. And so you get the first people and you get Adam and Eve. And so the thing about Adam and Eve is that they were already like God and they walked with him and they talked with him and they had relationship with him. And this is what we were meant to. So you kind of see creation in its original identity and in the original way that it was supposed to be, is that humankind walking and talking with their creator. And then what happened was God had put all these foods in the garden, the fruit trees, and he says, you can eat any of these fruit trees except for this one. Because when you eat this one, surely you will die. And by the way, the the story that you're describing right now is, is our podcast number two called Choices. Oh, yeah. So if you really have some 
Because Molly's given like the brief, really brief, brief overview. overview. Yeah. So if you want a little more in depth, you can check check out number two on the podcast. So then you have this tree in the garden. God says, don't eat from this or surely you will die. And again, I like that you brought that up because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. Because following God and loving God is a choice. And so he won't make you stay Mm -hmm. with him. Right. So he puts this tree in the garden and he says, don't eat from it. But as mankind does, what happens, Sandy? Well, they just decide that, hey, maybe God's holding out on us. And um, let's just define good and evil for ourselves. Let's make ourselves our own God in this whole thing. And so they do the exact thing that they were told not to do, which I don't know about anyone else, but that seems to be kind of the, that's the main sin. I think we all, yes, is that we're told we can't do this. So then we do it. And so we disobeyed God. Adam and Eve, they disobey God. But then what happens is that sin enters the world. Because God is holy, meaning he's set apart, he's free from sin, he's the only one who's good and perfect. He can only be good, he only has good characteristics, and when sin enters the world, then he has to separate from that. He cannot talk to people who aren't. And just to throw a comment in, so, but also I think it's important to to know the heart of God in that. It's not that he doesn't want to speak to us as humans who are sinful. It's just that it's kind of like, um, you know, black and white. They're so distinct and so different that they can't mix. Yeah. And so a holy God, a pure God, a sinless God, like sin can't be anywhere in in that area at all. And so it's not his choice that he like, well, those people are really bad and I want to be around, you know, mm-hmm. he created us. So he has got this, this huge amount of love for us and he wants to be with us. So continue. So, and because he wants to be with us, that's a good point. It's not like he was like, you guys are horrible. So I'm banishing you forever. He was like, this is what you chose. And this is the consequences right. of your decision. Right. And unfortunately, bummer for you, the consequences of your decision means that you're choosing sin to define good and evil for yourself, to be your own God. And because I'm holy, I can't be in that. So there's separation. And so now they're no longer walking and talking with God how they were before. And so what happens is, fast forward a little bit, and then... Still in the Old Testament. Still in the Old Testament. But you fast forward, and so in order to talk to God... What happens is, is there has to be a whole like cleansing ceremony. Okay, so, so a new system is set a up. A new system is set up. Okay. And it's the law. So there's all of these laws that you have to follow to keep yourself clean. And then in that, there's only one person who can go into the temple or the dwelling place of God once a year. And after sacrificing blood sacrifices and, you know, they cut the head off the whatever animal. Animal. And then that covers their sin. So you're describing like the Old Testament temple era, they call yes. it. So they've got, a, in other words, there's a system where they've designed where there's a special building, this one special building with this one special guy, the head priest, who's supposed to be sinless and clean, yes. although he's human and technically that's impossible. But so they've got the special building and the special guy, and that's supposed to be the meeting place between humans and man, and God. Yes. Yeah, okay. And before he can go in there, he has to do the sacrificial cleansing. And so this is how people were able to communicate with God, which, as you can hear, is not very well. Right. And so, and it doesn't work. 
So like this system is clearly not working out. People aren't getting it or they're going through the motions. And God is so concerned about the heart of his people that he's seeing like, obviously this isn't working out. And so what happens was, was that Father God and Jesus were like, there has to be a solution to this. What can we do? So then you fast forward to where Jesus enters the scene. So Jesus, Uh fully God and fully man, son of God, he enters the world as a baby as a human baby. It's living life like us. Living life like us. I mean, to think that Jesus had to poop in his diapers, <laughs> like that is crazy to me. So he's living life like us. He goes around, he heals people, all that stuff. And then he's crucified. And so what this does is the whole point of the crucifixion is that Jesus became our ultimate sacrifice. So that the ways of the Old Testament or the laws of the land where you had to do A, B, and C in Mm -hmm. order to cleanse yourself, to go and commune with God, those days were over. Mm -hmm. So this is the marking point of history where, where now, because of the blood of God, because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice and his yes to us, that he became the ultimate blood sacrifice for all of humanity. And they decided that so that now his people can be restored back into right relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So now when I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, that what he did is he took all of my sins and all of my iniquities and he put them on himself and became the sacrifice so that now I can freely commune with my father in heaven. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a very brief overview. Good job, Molly. Thank you. So then, Sandy, this leads us right up to Jesus and the cross. And I just want to be clear, too. I mean, the whole, like, just as you described, the whole Old Testament was this continual cry that, man, this system thing that we got going on is just not working. It's not working. And, you know, you described it well, that there was all these laws. Actually, there's like 613 laws that if you don't follow all of them, then, like, you're You're unclean. unclean. You know, you have sin. And so, you know, that, and I, and I really believe that's not the original intention of the law. I think it was supposed to lead to heart transformation Mm -hmm. and that just didn't happen because, and I think it's really typical of humans anyway, we tend to see like, Hey, what's the laws? Like what, how far can I go up to that line? Instead of having like a, the heart transformation and asking the why question behind the law and, and then like changing your heart that just never happened in the old Testament. And then, so Jesus comes along and he creates a, a totally new system. Brand new system. I mean, it, it's it's he takes the old system and he he becomes the completion of it. Mm-hmm. And so he because because of what he did, he lived a sinless life. He he actually fulfilled all those six hundred thirteen laws, and so he became the brand new Adam, the new human who did exactly what God wanted him to. Yeah. And then he goes to the cross because sin separates us from the Father. Sin yeah. separ- separates us. From, from him. And so that's a huge problem. Yeah. The whole sin thing. And so you got the whole, the whole old Testament crying out about this problem and we just need to have a better solution. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, like you described, came down here on earth and showed us how to live as a human. He showed us, he defined what was right and wrong and he defined how to love others and to love God, which is the greatest commandment to love yeah. God with everything you have and to love others. And then just as you described, he knowing what his mission was, He came down here and he allowed himself to be taken as a totally sinless person, allowed himself to be taken by the religious authorities and the governmental authorities and was crucified. 
taking all of our sin. And so that's an easy statement to make, like taking our sin. But I mean, it's a, it's a huge event. It's, it's enough. It's one thing like it's our, like me and you, Molly, it's Mm -hmm. our sin. Like, can you remember back before you were a believer, like how hard it was to carry all this shame and condemnation and it just felt like they had this weight on you all the time? All the things you've ever done or all the things that had ever been done to you just hanging over you like a weight. And it's felt heavy all the time, you know, and. And so Jesus comes along and multiply that times billions of people. Because, wow. I mean, that was 2,000 years ago. He did it, he did it for that population and, and forward. Yeah. So he's got billions of people's sins on him. It had to be like this crushing weight. And so, uh, so yeah, we have the story of the cross. And so there's the whole spiritual side of it. But one thing I wanted us to kind of look at is what happened with some of the supernatural events on the cross. So Molly, I was kind of wondering if like, just to give it a little more definition, if you could read Matthew 27, there's portions of it. If you could just read that. Yeah. So it's at Matthew 27 verses 45 through 46 and then 50 through 54. Yes. So it says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then, behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this is the Son of God. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks, Molly. Yeah. And so um, this passage has five significant events that happened um, that go like like we're looking at, uh, beyond the spiritual implications of what Jesus did about carrying our sins on him. Mm-hmm. So now we're looking at this this other stuff that's kind of surrounding Jesus on the cross. And so we have five events that can be that can be looked at. And number one is the darkness that that covered the land for three hours. And number two, the temple veil tearing in half. That's the temple veil that was part of that building, you know, the whole temple period, the thing that you were talking about earlier in the Old Testament. Number three, this huge earthquake. Number four, uh, a lot of graves opening and the dead coming back to life. That's (laughs) happened at the resurrection. And then the fifth one is the Roman centurion and his soldiers. And so the Roman centurion, like he, he believed when he realized all this stuff going on. Wow. So what we're going to do is kind of do a little quick look at those things and just to throw another wrench into the whole thing. And I want to do it a little bit. I'm going to do the list backwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, and the reason why is I just, I want to land on the one I really like the best. But, um, so what do you think about this centurion, Molly? I think that is wild. And um, when I hear about this Roman soldier, right, who's yeah. whole, like his whole thing was to guard all the stuff, and to make sure that Jesus is crucified, right? Yeah. And so he's having, like, he does not believe in God. He does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, the opposite. He's the one accusing Jesus. He's the one calling Jesus a hypocrite. Yeah. He's the one making fun of him, and he's representative of of all the other people who were also falsely accusing him mm-hmm. and didn't believe. 
And so you have someone who's so stuck in their beliefs enough that they're willing to crucify another human. I mean, if you're willing to do that, you got to believe what you're saying is true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to be pretty set in your ways. But, you know, just the black and white of it, he's like, this is a man who's experienced killing other people. Right. Oh, man, you can't. That's rough. That is rough. And then you have the events of the cross. And then suddenly they believe. Like at the end of it, I mean, that last sentence, they feared greatly saying truly, this was the son of God. And so all that tells me is in something incredibly uh, real Mm -hmm. and incredibly powerful and incredibly supernatural had to have happened. Just even, just even from that one, even if we just look at that one event of the Roman soldier coming to, coming to acknowledge Jesus as the son of God, like you knew that that had to be something major and that should cause us as readers to be like, whoa, yeah, like something crazy had to be going on Mm -hmm. right here. Cause you know, he's killed the, I mean, that's his job is like to crucify people and he's leading all he's, and he's leading got 100, all these other yeah he's soldiers. got a hundred soldiers underneath him like and they're following him and so from the head of the soldiers mm-hmm. to be like whoa hey actually i think i missed it yeah like then you know that something had to have gone down yeah like you know that something was shaking up the place that's literally exactly right yeah yeah that's really good that's so that that would lead us to the second one right yes so the second one the graves opening and the dead coming back to life so that happened, uh, they believe, at the resurrection. But the interesting thing is, is that not only does it say it in the Bible here, but there's historical records that, um, that are outside of the Bible. And one of the most surprising records is a report that comes from Pontius Pilate himself, the guy, the actual one in the Bible who sends Jesus off to his death in the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He writes a report back to Rome, to his bosses in Rome. And he's saying, he's writing in there in this document, hey, all of the people in Jerusalem, they're terrified because they see the, the day that this guy, Jesus, died, there's dead people walking around. And then the religious Jews, even they confirm it. And so, I mean, to have it not only stated in the Bible, but you've got these other documents that, hey, there's like dead people walking around. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Can you imagine that? No. Like, can you imagine just going about your daily life and then people are rising up from their grave? Like, from the tomb. Like, yeah. they're no longer six feet under. They're six inches from your face. Like, they're, <laughs> they're alive. Yeah. And, like, if you wouldn't take a step back and be like, what is going on? And what I love about this is that is it's not just, again, it's not just a story. Mm-hmm. Like, this is real things that happened. And there's real historical, like, uh-huh. even outside of biblical text, that acknowledge that this was a historical event. And that should cause us, as a as the world to look and say, whoa, Mm -hmm. truly, this was the son of God. Like what was going on here? And a lot of the Bible, as you read like a big, this is a big generality kind of thing. But as you read the Bible, there's a lot of emphasis on testimony Mm -hmm. and witnesses. Um, And Jesus, even after he comes back to the grave, he makes sure that he's seen by, you know, hundreds of people. So the witness of people is a huge deal in the Bible. And so, you know, the witness of the centurion is one thing, but then you got like, like, uh, other people, you know, and in other words, this is affecting, this is more than just a story about Jesus on the cross. Right. It's about how Jesus on the cross has affected everything around him. Yeah. And it's seen by people. So it wasn't just like, (laughs) it wasn't just like, okay, 
this earthquake happened or this happened and one person saw it or experienced. Right. It's like, no, even the dead responded. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Like, everything responds to this moment. Yeah. Everything. Okay, this is exciting. Yeah. Okay, so then after that, the next event that we're looking at is the earthquake. Is this number three? Yes, the third event. Okay. So, um, and again, so we have what the Bible has said, but there's some other documents that that there's reports that there's earthquakes like way outside of, of Jerusalem. So we got earthquakes happening up in Turkey, and they're talking about whole buildings and cities being destroyed. So it wasn't just like, Maybe the author was just being really, uh, being a little overly dramatic and there was like maybe some shaking. Like this was a significant earthquake where there's yeah. reports from other countries about whole buildings being demolished. Mm-hmm. And so, again, just like you said, like the earth and the people there are they're responding to this crazy event. And they may not even realize that it's connected to Jesus, but yeah. it's happening. It's a huge event. The earth is responding. Like, can we... Yeah. Like that blows my mind because, and if you look at it, you're like, of course the earth is responding. God created everything. But if you could imagine being in that time period and knowing, or even if you were at the crucifixion and then suddenly all these things are popping off, like there's no other explanation. Mm-hmm. Like there's zero other explanation. Right. But when the very ground responds to the death of Jesus, to the crucifixion of Jesus, now you've got the earth responding, you've got the dead responding, and you've got the living unbelievers responding Mm -hmm. just in these three. Yeah. Just through these three events. Mm -hmm. Like you, something's going on. Yeah. This has to be a really big deal. Yes. Okay. 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 Fourth event. Getting all excited. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The fourth event. Oh, this is my favorite one. The temple curtain being torn. And so just as Molly, just as you described, so for much of the Old Testament period, like we're talking hundreds of years, they have this temple system with the special building with the special guy. And there's this, the most holy place was a part, just a set aside room in that building. And it had this curtain that went across it. And it wasn't just any kind of ordinary curtain. It was actually this curtain that was 12 inches thick. Ugh. Like there's, it's not just your basic shower curtain kind of thing. I mean, it's That's like, how I used to always picture it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's this huge 12-inch thick curtain that went from floor to ceiling. And, I mean, there's um, references in the in the Bible that, like, obviously a man cannot tear it. But, it, like, they had a hard time tearing this thing with, like, maybe using animals and stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a big deal. And so this curtain was supposed to be a way to cordon off this most holy place where God would res- would reside, the meeting mm-hmm. place of God, that, that the holy guy, the high priest, can only go on once a year. And so here we have Jesus on the cross, and they talk about, as you just read in Matthew, about how the curtain had been torn. That's huge. That's like a huge thing. Um, and they they realized, after they started looking at it a little bit more, it's not that... Um, I mean, it would be supernatural enough if the curtain itself was torn, but really what happened is the entire door frame, the huge door frame that held the curtain was broken and wow. fell apart. And so here we have this building that had been around, I don't know how long, um, 
And so it's a supernatural statement that's saying, hey, things are different now. Mm-hmm. It used to be you have this special building, special guy thing going on where he's the only one who can meet God once a year. But because they ripped that, that curtain's been removed, it's been actually fall down and torn apart because uh, that's happened. What Jesus is saying, hey, I'm bringing this whole new system and here's the evidence. Like, let's get rid of the building. Like yeah. 70 years after Jesus died, the temple was destroyed by the Romans. Yeah. So, I mean, that whole system was gone. It wasn't going to work Jesus, anyway. Because Jesus made a way, a different way to meet God. Mm-hmm. And so when we receive Jesus as our Lord in our life, when we say, Jesus, I surrender and I submit to you, I want you to be the king of my life, my Lord. So we become the meeting place. Mm-hmm. So instead of that one special building in Jerusalem, it now each one of us is a temple. Yeah. And it's a totally different thing. And that's where it's like, I mean, the veil representing the veil representing this barrier right. between you and God. Like, and when Jesus went to the cross, that barrier is broken. God is saying, actually, this was the perfect sacrifice. This was the perfect atonement for all sin of humanity, which if you translate that to to there's zero separation. Mm-hmm. Like he atoned so that there would be zero right. separation anymore. Mm-hmm. That there would be zero barriers between God and his people should they choose to believe in this. Yeah, and that's an important to say that, that it's important to choose. Yes. Because he doesn't, like you said earlier, God's not going to force that on you. Yeah. And he's not going to make you love him or make you believe. I mean, it has to be just like when you receive a gift when somebody gives you a birthday gift you have to physically take it and receive it and open it yeah it's the same thing so jesus has done this for us but we have to do something about yeah like we have to say yes and receive it and then act in that yeah and then to know that because that barrier is gone and because we've received or for those of us who have received that then we can talk to him anywhere anytime Doesn't have to be the special guy one time a year. Right. And it doesn't, you don't have to go through, I mean, and I love preachers and I love churches and I love those things, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you don't have to wait till you go to the preacher who went through four years of seminary and did a doctoral thesis on something biblical in order to, to hear from God and have a conversation. Right. But you can't like, it's, it's the beauty of the gospel is that he's just as appealing and he's just as intentional with talking to, to anyone, whether it's the, the orphan child in Sierra Leone or whether it's the Hollywood star in the middle of the U S like it doesn't, he talks to his people on that same level across the board mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done, yeah. because this veil has been torn. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to take a minute to just encourage you to press in to what he's saying over you and over your life directly, that you don't need to go to five other people. Mm, you do need community, yes, but you don't have to go to a specific person to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Get off that tangent now. <laughs> Good point, Molly. Yes. So in other words, the whole the system that you described about the temple, really in essence what it's saying is, hey, it's really hard to get to God mm-hmm. with that sort of a system. That's the message that comes out of that. It's hard to get to God. Mm-hmm. But now with Jesus, I don't want to use the word easy because he died for us, but it's, it's, um, it's much more open. I mean, right. it, because of his death, we have open access to the Father if we receive it, like we you know mentioned earlier, if we take that and 
respond to it and act upon it. Well, it's now that instead of having, instead of having to manage our sins, which is what they did in the Old Testament, they had to manage their sin in order to have any kind of communication with God. And so now he's called us from a place of having to manage our sin to a place of being completely cleansed from it. And transformed. And transformed. Mm-hmm. And that Because of what he did. Because of him. Not based on anything right. that we've done. Not because we, clearly we weren't doing very well managing <laughs> our sin. It wasn't working out for us. Mm-hmm. And then God and his love and his mercy, because he so desires to be in relationship with his people, he didn't want the separation to begin with. Mm-hmm. That was never his plan. But he was like, man, but I'm holy. And if they don't, if they choose to sin, then we can't do this anymore. We can't be in this relationship. Mm-hmm. But then when Jesus comes in onto the scene and you have this supernatural crucifixion and all the things surrounding it. Then it's like, okay, now instead of sin managers, you're cleansed from it based off of my blood and my faithfulness and my covenant to you, mm-hmm. my people. Like Because of what Jesus did. How do we have that kind of God? Like, how? And that was supposed to be the message of the Old Testament, that the God of the Israelites, the Yahweh God of Israelites, is different than any other God. Which is hard for us to conceive here in America because we're not like a multi- like, in a lot of cultures, there's thousands of gods. But that's the message of the Old Testament. I, meaning God, I am different. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Because you see his character. Mm-hmm. There's no other, like, the God of the Bible is one, the only God. But then, two, if you compare it to other quote-unquote religions, like, you get his character, the character of, of the one true God is incredibly different Yes. Then the vengeful, yes. like wanting to, you know, hurt you and you have to do all of these things in order to appease them kind of God. It's all works based. Yeah. Our God is saying, as a free gift, because I so love you, I want to help you be clean. And in fact, if you believe in me, I will cleanse you and I will transform you. Mm-hmm. Here's what it looks like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But it also, you know, it really gives a lot more, knowing all that and what you, like what we just discussed, it really gives a lot more meaning to the John 14, 6 verse that says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, mm. that no one comes to the Father except through me. And no one can come to the Father except through him because he's the one who made a way to the Father. Yeah. I mean, he did it. And so, all obviously, the whole uh, message of the Old Testament is that you can work yourself to death, but it, apparently it, it's not making a way to the Father for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so um, so the whole cross and the resurrection really gives new meaning to John fourteen six that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's a whole different message. Mm-hmm. Whole different message. Okay. So then that leads us, right, to the final supernatural event. Yeah, the fun one. <laughs> this one's your favorite. Yeah. I think the veil's my favorite. <laughs> okay. And so um, we have the three hours of darkness. And so that, Molly, you had just read that in Matthew, but also in um, Luke. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke describe the whole events of the cross. But Luke himself, he said, it's now the sixth hour and darkness came over all the land until the ninth hour. So you got three hours, the sun failing. And hmm. so that's kind of different language, you know. We don't really hear about like the sun the failing, sun failing. Like, nobody's ever you know been a part of that so so in other words the sun became dark so what in the heck is that and so there's been like 
different theories I've heard over over the years. And I know like when I was young and a new Christian and the one I always heard, well, you know, it's an, and this eclipse happened. But the thing is, like the true definition of an eclipse is you have this dark sun, I'm dark, sorry, dark moon moving between earth and the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with that whole theory is that in Passover, uh, the crucifixion took place during the Jewish holiday of Passover. And Passover always took place in a full moon, meaning the the moon was on the completely different side of the hemisphere mm. than the sun. So physically, it's impossible to have an eclipse. Right. So it can't be an eclipse. Plus, an eclipse only lasts for like a few minutes. Yeah. And we're talking well, just like three hours of darkness. And so then another way I always thought about it is like, okay, first I thought maybe there's an eclipse. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I thought was like, okay, maybe it was just cloudy. Like, Because yeah. you know, sometimes you read the Bible and you're like, oh, I'll, expl- I'll use this to explain this supernatural thing i'm going to rationalize something Mm -hmm. and so in my like imagination Uh i guess because i just hadn't studied it but i always thought either eclipse or oh there was just some clouds clouds, and so the sun failed to shine through onto the land you know yeah and that's knowing just us how how we've lived life as humans that's those are kind of understandable because that's just how we've lived in the experience (laughs) But this is different, you know? Yeah. And the thing with the the clouds thing, because I can see how we can come to that conclusion. So there's no mention of any kind of rain or clouds any, anywhere. But let's just say that, okay, they just forgot they to forgot mention it. that, yeah. you know? But the thing is, um, some of the, the other uh, out-of-the-Bible records, mm-hmm. like Greek historians and stuff, they have records of saying that people were walking around the city with lamps. In other words, it was so dark that they needed lamps to get around at noon. This is like between noon and three. So this is the highest point of the day. Yes. That's probably significant somewhere. That's like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. But like between noon and three, people are walking around the city with lamps because it's dark and they can see the stars. Wow. And so even if there was cloud cover, you wouldn't be able, to, wouldn't see be able to see the stars. Yeah. And so something crazier must have been going on and really, the only explanation is that it was a supernatural event where um, the sun itself, just like Luke said, the sun itself was darkened. So in other words, um, so actually, Molly, if you can just read John eight twelve, what's that says? Yeah, sure. Um, John 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. Yeah. So at the crucifixion, what happened was, and you've already described it really well, God the Father placed all the sins of people, all of our sins, and the sins of millions of people on Jesus. Mm -hmm. So remember we said earlier that sin separates. And so you just read the verse that says, I'm the light of the world. And so in a, in a figurative sense, Jesus is like the sun in this story. Yeah. And so when the sins of, the, of, of humanity were put upon Jesus, those sins separated Jesus from the Father. And so with that separation, there's this symbolic thing that happened, and it's actually way more than symbolism, but the sim- symbolic thing that God the Father uh, actually darkened the sun because it symbolizes that Jesus was separated from the Father because he's carrying our sin. So we have this uh, symbolic thing going on, which we can actually see. They see in the Bible 
that the sun was made dark because Jesus, who represents the sun, he's a light of the world, Mm -hmm. was carrying our sins. So God, the Father, actually darkened the sun during that time. And because he was separated. Jesus. Yeah. Because of our sins, because of the sins of humanity for those three hours. Because sin always separates. That's right. And he was wearing the sin of every single person throughout all of history. Like it wasn't, again, not just like my sin and just your sin. It was the carrying of every everyone's for all of humanity. And that, sep- that was, I mean, that what a dark time. So the, the sun was darkened because Jesus is carrying our sins. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, the storyline behind that. So the same God who created the sun, he actually has the power to dim the sun. So he has that kind of power and authority over nature. So nature's responding to what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. So you described the earthquake. I mean, not just nature. Like, so first you have the person, the living person. The centurion. So have the centurion. So the things that are responding to this is literally the the unbeliever Mm -hmm. and the accuser is responding to this, you have what was next? The earthquake. Mm-hmm. Then you have nature. Mm-hmm. The ground, the literal ground of the earth is responding to this. And then you have the dead who are raised from their graves. The dead people are responding to this. Mm-hmm. And then you have literally the cosmos, like All the universe uh-huh. Uh-huh. responding to this. That's right. This can't just be like a a small thing. No. This can't just be like a little. Um, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Like, or oh, okay, I wonder what's going on. Do you know what I mean? And then you have physical structures responding to this. So the curtain is torn. So right. even things right, that right. We, like physical structures, buildings, the very earth, and then the very cosmos, the very universe. Is all so all the whole all of the universe, the humanity, nature, and the cosmos are all responding to this event. Yeah, even so, the it's a huge dead, thing. Like the dead and the, and the ha- most hardened hearts, yeah, are responding to what has happened. Yeah, how does that? That's crazy. What does that mean for us? Well, you know, here we have. It just to me, it really speaks that God is totally in control. And he's the one who created nature. He's the one who created the cosmos. He's the one that created humanity. And all of those things, he's in control. And if he can, if he can create the sun, then he can certainly darken the sun. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the question is, how does that, like, how does that relate to us today? Yeah. You know, the thing is, if he can do that, if he can do the, all these things that you just described, then certainly he can enter into our situation. Yeah. Then certainly he can enter into whatever thing we're struggling with at the moment or whatever we're carrying or the guilt and the shame or the trauma that we've had a hard time letting go. If he can do those sort of things with all that kind of power and authority, and he does, and like the whole fact that Jesus came down here on earth, it was a, re, a response out of love for us, then certainly out of love and having the power and authority, he can certainly respond to the things that's going on in our lives. Yeah. And it's not that he wouldn't, he just, his heart and nature is not to look at us and go, well, that's such a, a tiny little thing you're going through. Hey, I'm over here busy with the universe. I mean, yeah. everything he did that, that the father sent Jesus down here on this earth was for us. 
Yeah. And we are not the center of the universe. <laughs> but he did that because he loved us and he wants us to he wants us to know his heart. He wants us to be reconnected to the Father. He wants us to know what life is mm-hmm. because God is life. Anything that separates us from God actually separates us from life. Wow. And there's no in between. Like I grew up in a in a time when everything was relative. Well, you know, Whatever's good for you, it's, it's, that's that's your deal. It may not be good for me. In other words, it's relative, you know. Live and let live. And like. so there's it's such a wrong theory because it you it's either there's two spiritual dimensions. You either got the the spirit of life and God, of Yahweh God and Jesus, or you have death. There is no gray. Yeah. And so if you have something that's separating you from God, then you're having something that's separating you from life, and the opposite of life is death. There's mm-hmm. no gray. Right. And so if we're like holding on to sin because it feels good or it meets whatever our needs are, then we're holding on to those things that are going to kill us. They're, yeah. they're death. There's something that produces death. And that's the whole point of why Jesus came in the first place. Yeah. Is to give us life. Those things that awaken our hearts, that awaken our soul, it gives us hope and it gives us purpose. And this is the crazy, I mean, this is, I mean, the, you can apply the cross all the time. So all of the supernatural things that happened on the cross, like even on a personal level, like when we receive Jesus, I mean, think about communion. When you are actively receiving the fullness of every natural and supernatural thing that happened on the cross, it will change you. Yeah, it changes you from the inside it out. It will give you a new perspective and it will show you something different. But you have like the... The cross is is a mystery that I can't even fully explain. And I don't know that we ever could. Yeah. And like here today, we're really just scratching the yeah, surface. I believe that. Of the fullness of the cross. But when I look at it and I see a God who with his own son, like this is his own son, was willing to pour out his wrath on the cross and also simultaneously his mercy. Like... The mercy was for us and that he himself, God himself, because Jesus is fully God, fully man, was willing to take on his own wrath. Like, I can't, I can't quite figure that out. Well, and I think, I think too that, I mean, you know, on a certain level, it, it like, because of, of we're humans and how we've lived life and how we've defined life and how we've defined good and evil and all the experiences that we've gone through and the way our culture is, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to understand because it like from a, how we've been brought up sort of perspective, it doesn't make sense. Right. Because it's super like that. It, you can't look at the cross and not acknowledge the spiritual component of your life. Like you can't, because you cannot rationalize it. Like in any way you look at it, like God is spirit. And so you have to realize that there's the spiritual aspect of everything that's happened. And Mm -hmm. I can't, but that's the thing. And here at No Boundaries, I mean, that's what we look at. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what in constantly, if whenever we're doing our brain boot camps or when we're walking people through a restoration process is the way that we've seen people heal is our curriculum. All it does is it gets people to look at the cross. It's an encounter with Christ. It puts things into perspective. And so even like, I mean, even for, for personal things, if you're going through something and say someone was 
said something and it hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. And then even if you just say in that moment, Jesus, is there ever a time that you've had your feelings hurt or that someone said something against you? And he takes you to a picture of the cross. Suddenly that can't compete. Yeah. (laughs) Like suddenly you're ready to forgive and you're ready to be transformed because nothing competes with innocence crucified. Or even like, I mean, I've walked out of a lot of traumatic events. Mm -hmm. And when I sit there and I'm like, Jesus, is there any time that you've been just severely traumatized and you get a picture of the cross, nothing like he bore the weight of everything that's happened to everyone. Mm -hmm. And so even the things that have happened to us, like our trauma or our stuck places, like he took that on himself. He hold he holds that on the cross. And if I try to hold on to that too, all I'm saying is Jesus, that was good enough for everyone else. It wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. But when we can get to a place where looking at Jesus on the cross is a daily, even sometimes moment to moment activity, it will transform. In fact, it's the only thing that does. Mm-hmm. And that's just true. Yeah, that really is. So. Yeah, Jesus is the only one who can change us from the inside out. I bet we better wrap up here. (laughs) We could probably talk about this for three more hours. So Sandy, as parting words to our listeners, is there anything just last minute things or any words of encouragement that you have? I think the only thing I would say is, and this is like uh, a biblical premise is there's like, there's always that question as you read these things that go on in the Bible is, What's your response? Mm. And so, in other words, we can we talked about all these events that happened at the cross, all the the supernatural events, and we kind of talked a little bit about the spiritual implications of what Jesus did that we probably, like you said, barely understand. But it really, it's like once you read all this sort of stuff and start trying to really understand it with your heart, it it really begs the question: what it, what's your response going to be, and do you believe it? Yeah, that's good. So then. Here's what I'm saying is that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us and to set us free, to give us eternal life, that we could be in constant communication with our father in heaven, that we'd be reconciled to our father in right relationship. And then what I'm hearing you say is through the supernatural events of the cross, we see five different things that respond to this. You see the dead responding to this. You see the hardened hearts responding to this. You see the physical buildings responded to this. And you see the the literal earth responding mm-hmm. to this. And, and then, then the you see the sun and the universe and the stars and the sky respond to this. And so then our question would be, will we respond to right. this? And then how will we respond to this? Mm -hmm. So I think as we wrap up, I just want to pray over the listeners and just pray that Jesus would encounter you mightily through the truth of what happened at the cross. That as you read the story of the crucifixion, that your eyes would be opened and your imagination would be illuminated to the spiritual realities that took place on that day, that all of history changed, everything changed in that moment. And that if God can darken the sun and if everything in creation is responding to this moment, that he can surely transform you too. That your heart of stone can be made into a heart of flesh. And that's what he does is he gives us a new heart and a new right spirit within. And so I'm praying today 
that as you've listened to these words, that you'd be ignited to learn more and that you'd grow more curious with Jesus in anything that you've been holding on to, that you would get it reconciled under the blood of Jesus and under the fullness and realness of the supernatural events of the cross and what that means for you. So we're praying for you and we'll talk to you next time. Later. Thank you.